What does it mean to have a biblical worldview? And how does it differ from a secular worldview? Public opinion polls reveal that the average Christian has no idea what the difference is between the two. For a clear explanation from a renowned Christian author, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My colleague, Nathan Jones, and I have a very special guest with us today. His name is Carl Gallups, the author of the best-selling book called The Magic Man in the Sky. Carl is the longtime senior pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in Milton, Florida, and that's in the panhandle of Florida near Pensacola. Additionally, he's a conference speaker, evangelist, and Christian media specialist. In that capacity, he's one of the founders of the world-famous P.P. Simmons YouTube Ministry and Biblical Apologetics Channel. He's also a prominent radio talk show host. And as I said before, he is the author of the best-selling book right here, The Magic Man in the Sky. It is one of the best books that I have read in recent years. And the moment I finished reading it, I picked up the phone, called Carl, and invited him to appear on this program. Carl, welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Thank you, Dave. And it is my honor to be here. Thank <laughs> well, you for picking that phone up. It's now. our honor to have you. <laughs> Carl, I just want to start off with the title. This is a very unusual title. It, it is. And in fact, it's the thing that attracted me to the book. I thought, what in the world is this all about? Right. Tell us, what is the title mean, The Magic Man's Guy? Where in the world did that come from? Well, you're not the first person to ask me that question. (laughs) Well, it was meant to be thought-provoking and provocative even, if you will. Uh, But but people, the skeptics, atheists, they know exactly what the title means uh, because it's an argument they often use. And a lot of Christians know what the title means in that they've heard it used against them. So atheists just use this flippantly. Well, they do, yes. As a reference to God. And it basically goes like this. The argument goes like this. Why why should I believe in some magic man in the sky like you do when I can believe in settled scientific fact? Oh. Or I would rather believe in settled scientific fact than some magic man in the sky. Well, I spend a lot of time in ministry, as you mentioned, uh, internet ministry, and, and I've spent years of, of, of debating skeptics and atheists and agnostics. Mm-hmm. And, and this, this argument kept coming up and coming up. Finally, I said, you know, I need to address that somehow in, 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 a, in a world-reaching venue. And so the Lord put this inspiration of this book idea on, on my heart. And, it, and, and my book deals with a whole lot more than just this argument. Right. But I start by dealing with this argument and then I You thought, don't like that title, do you? I, I don't like the title. <laughs> well, because, because um, uh, it, it, um, it, it, when, when you, because the word magic, man, and, and in the sky, the, the, the whole argument is, is a misnomer. It's a biblical misunderstanding. The, neither the Bible nor the Christian declares that God is magic or that he uses magic. Right. Uh, neither the Bible nor the Christian who knows the Bible in context would declare that God is merely a man. Now we know that God uh, put on flesh through His Son Jesus yes. Christ presented Himself as a man, God with us. We, we understand that concept. But God's not just a, a, a big man, a bigger form of a man floating around out there in space somewhere. Performing magic. Yeah, performing magic. And certainly He doesn't live in the sky. Uh, so, so what it does, it conjures up when a skeptic uses it or an atheist uses it or an agnostic, they, they're conjuring up this image. It's a straw man argument. 
they're conjuring up this image of some grandfatherly looking fellow in a, in a, in, in, in a uh, rocking chair with a magic wand floating <laughs> around in the clouds. Well, once you develop that caricature in someone's mind, especially a Christian who's not expecting that attack, it, it can debilitate a Christian. Yeah. Well, I'd rather believe, listen to the two straw men. I'd rather believe in subtle scientific fact, well, well, that's an, that's an oxymoron. I don't know that there's anything settled in science, mostly, you know, it, it, than a magic man in the sky, which is another complete misnomer. So, so no, I don't like the title. I like the title of the book, and God has used it, but the argument of well, it is Well, before we get into the, the, the substance of the book, uh, Nathan, you wanted to... Uh, yeah, I wanted to greet you to the show. Thank you, Nathan. I, our show seems to attract former policemen gone into the ministry, and <laughs> yeah. I hear you were a policeman. And that made me interested. Tell me a little about yeah. you know your background, you. how you got into ministry from police, and, and especially you. Internet ministry interests me, and I'd like to hear a little about that. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Now, I started young. I was Florida's first 18-year-old correctional officer, and that is with the (laughs) Florida Department of Corrections, the prison system, the state prison system. Mm -hmm. Two years later, at the age of 20, I was Jefferson County, uh, Florida's first 20-year-old deputy sheriff. Now, this was back in the days when everything used to be measured as an adult from 21 and over years ago. But they had just changed the law at about the time I turned 18. You could arrest people, but you couldn't drink. Well, that's right. (laughs) You could go to war, but you couldn't, yeah. So, so, uh, but they had changed the law. And I was just turning 18 at the time and, and was very much fascinated by the law enforcement field and career. So anyway, applied. It's a long story, but I, I became Florida's first 18-year-old correctional officer, then Jefferson County's first 20-year-old uh, deputy sheriff sworn uh, you know, patrol officer. Oh, wow. And then I worked for them for several years, and I worked for another, well, Leon County, which is the capital uh, of Florida, and uh, worked for them. And uh, so I spent uh, 10 years in law enforcement, six or seven years as a sworn officer in uh, the criminal investigation, as a criminal uh, patrol officer, and then a few years doing some of my own criminal investigations. But, but your heart was in ministry all that well, time? Well, not all that time in ministry. Now, mm-hmm. I was a Christian. I was saved at the age of 16. So I was a Christian during that time, and I was married. And uh, But uh, in my late 20s, God really began to impress upon my heart a call to full-time ministry. Now, i got to tell you, I'm a little bit ashamed of this part of my testimony. Do you know it's entirely possible to be in love with the Lord, be doing the work of the Lord? I mean, I was in church, I was teaching Sunday school, and still be running from the Lord. Mm-hmm. I think of a man named Jonah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in other words, I was happy in law enforcement. I was doing well. I was advancing in my career. My college education was criminal justice and graduated from Florida State criminology. Uh, everything was geared towards that. And God um, messed up my life <laughs> tongue in cheek by by interfering with my happiness and calling me into full time ministry. The bottom line is I ran from that calling for a couple of years. I'm ashamed of that now because God has so blessed my ministry and my, and my life. But uh, so I finally surrendered fully to God's call in my life and and then uh, began my uh, journey with the Lord in full time ministry. But I went through all of that because people always ask me, how'd you go from being a cop to a preacher? And and the story is kind of complex. It wasn't. I didn't just get up one day and say, you know what? I'm tired of being a cop. I think I want to be a preacher. No, no, no. I loved being in law enforcement. I well, did not had, want to be a preacher. We've had Don McGee and Jeff Seif on the show, and each time they are also policemen that went into. Now you've been. Did a they full have t- similar testi- testimony. Similar, yeah. yeah. They yeah. run from the Lord, but they took yeah. ministry. Yeah. But uh, so now you're doing all internet on top of the pastor. 
Well, yeah, my, the, the radio, ministry right? is very multifaceted. First and mm-hmm. foremost, I'm the senior pastor at Hickory Hammock Baptist Church, a, a, a Baptist church in northwest Florida. I've been there 26, 27 years now. Okay. And, uh, uh, but out of that has grown a very large radio ministry. I broadcast uh, several programs on a, on, a, on a... And these programs deal with current issues, right? Yes. Well, actually... From a biblical it, viewpoint. Yes, I've got several mm-hmm. programs. One is just strictly biblical called Ask the Preacher. Yes. Uh, but <laughs> another one that I have is called Free Freedom Friday with Carl Gallup. Are any of those programs available on the Internet? Yes, they are. Uh, They can Mm -hmm. all be accessed. The easiest way is to go to carlgallops.com, and in the top right-hand corner it says Listen Live. Click there. All the information about me, my ministry, the radio programs, everything at carlgallops.com. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our discussion with Carl Gallops, the author of a fascinating book called The Magic Man in the Sky. Carl, uh, you began your book by contrasting the secular worldview with the biblical worldview. Right. Tell us, what is, how would you define the secular worldview? Yeah, well, thank you, Dave. That's a, a great question. You know, worldview is extremely important. Worldview is just the way you filter information of life. Uh, we make all of our decisions about life on our worldviews, who we're going to marry, what kind of job we're going to have, how we're going to live, uh, etc. So the secular worldview is totally man-centered. There's, there's, there's no room for God, intelligent designer. There's no room for uh, a, a creation. All about me. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's about man. It's the secular worldview focuses on man. So, so th- that's the worldview of the atheist, for example. It's the worldview of, of, of the agnostic, and most agnostics actually live as atheists. They call themselves agnostic. Uh, and, and, the, and the worldview of the, uh, the one who holds to uh, evolution proposition. As I would the, say as the it is the worldview of the majority of people in the United States today. Whether they know it or not. That's right. <laughs> yeah, because some people yeah. would disagree. You say, I don't have that kind of worldview, but, the, but they live as though they really yeah. do have a secular yes. worldview. I would agree with you. And so, but, go ahead, man. Oh, I was, since you were telling us the secular worldview, and you, you talked about a religious worldview, then you talked about a biblical worldview. Right. Uh, most people think they have a biblical worldview, yeah. like, but they really have a secularist worldview. Maybe you could help people see if they do have a biblical worldview by telling us yeah. what one is. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, you know, I was sharing with Dave earlier, I, uh, I've been in the ministry a long time, and the best illustration of this, I've told folks, you know, I've been in the ministry a long time, I've done many, many, many funerals, scores and scores and scores of funerals. And I say this a little tongue-in-cheek, but it illustrates this. I say, you know, in all my years in the ministry, I've never done the funeral of a lost person. And people look at me and they say, what? And what, I say, what I mean is this, I can preach from the pulpit that the Bible is the Word of God, and Jesus is Lord, there's only one way of salvation, salvation is by God's grace. That, by the way, that's biblical worldview, that the okay. Bible is the inerrant, okay. infallible, final Word of God. Jesus is, is, is Lord and Savior, He's God with us, He's the only way to salvation, and salvation is by God's grace alone. So I preach that, and amen, 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 and then, but somebody dies, a loved one, a relative, or a friend, and they'll say something from time to time. Somebody will say something like, Pastor, you know, this guy didn't believe in all that Jesus stuff. And, and, and he, you know, he very seldom came to church, but I know he's a good person, so I know he's in heaven. And so I, that's so what I mean preach, by. Preach the funeral. Never preach the funeral. I've never had anybody come to me and say, you know what, he was lost, preacher. That's you know? funny and, and sad at well, the same it is. time. It is. Really and that, is. that's the illustration I use yeah. to, to show the difference of, of people who say they have a biblical worldview. But then when life really, you know, comes down to, to the bottom line, they, they think a secular worldview. 
And of course, that secular worldview I just described, you know, is the heresy of universalism. All dogs eventually go to heaven, you know, regardless. You know, amen. <laughs> amen. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. But now, the but now for my friend, uh, just because he was a good person. So, And that's the religious worldview, the third view in your book? Well, the third view, I try to mm-hmm. make, the, I make the distinction between a distinctly contextual biblical worldview as juxtaposed to all of this other religiosity in the world. Okay. Because there are many religious views of life. Man's search for God. Yeah, yeah. Of, yeah. Well, Satan's a religious being. I mean, let's just <laughs> <laughs> deal with it. So he's the inventor of religions, yes. uh, but yet there's a relationship with our Creator, the relationship that comes through a born-again experience in our relationship to Jesus Christ. But everything else, because, for example, there are people who would say, I'm not a secularist. I believe there's a, a, a God or gods. I believe there's a creator. I believe there's an intelligence. And then they get off into all this esoterical mm-hmm. spiritual stuff. That's the religious worldview. And billions of people live by a religious worldview. What's mm-hmm. so disturbing to me is, is we have organizations in America today that specialize in taking uh, religious polls. And these polls are showing that people who claim to be yes. evangelical... Yes will answer 51 or 52% saying there's different roads to God, yes. Jesus sinned, and things like that. It's like they know nothing yes. about the Bible, and they do not have a biblical worldview. That's right. You're, no, you, you, What's the you, problem You've here? nailed it, Dave. Well, <laughs> the, the biggest problem is just our sin nature and a, and a refusal to deal with uh, the truth, the true revelation of God's Word. Some of the problem comes from pulpits. I was going to say and, it. And the watered water like down preaching a, of the Word. There's a famine of the Word today. Right. And people are not being taught the Word. They're not right. taught the fundamentals of the faith. Right. And then some of the problem comes from dynamic, contextual, biblical preaching from the pulpit, but people sitting in the pew who are just not uh, processing it and, mm-hmm. and don't want to deal with it. And they'll, they'll pick and choose what they want to believe and hear. It's, it's, it, it's human nature. And it's just something that, that, that we deal with. There's but, a fellow who takes a poll of entering freshmen every year at Wheaton College, which is one of the foremost evangelical colleges in America. And all these people coming there are coming from tr- uh, families where they've grown up in church. Right. And every year this poll is showing less and less knowledge of the Bible. And they're not difficult questions. It's like right. name one of the four Gospels, name two <laughs> right. of the Apostles, you know. And they can't do it. Yeah. yeah. And you wonder, what are they doing in youth programs? Weenie Rose, hay right. rides, watching m- movies, eating wow. pizza? Yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> not in his church. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, I've, yeah, I've just dealt with this uh, recently, and I don't, I, I don't want to be too detailed here, but uh, I've just been very disappointed recently in dealing with a group of, of people putting together this big uh, outreach of youth ministry and mm-hmm. listening to them talk about their their Bible studies they're going to have with the youth. Mm-hmm. And um, we've had to stop and correct them and say, that's not a Bible study. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not a study of God's Word. But people, as you just nailed it so perfectly a minute ago, they, they, they've gotten off uh, off, off base, off track, uh, uh, the Word of God. There's a famine for truth and, and knowledge. And so, so yes, you're right. There, there are people who say, oh, I come from a biblical worldview. Okay, what does that mean? And then they can't tell you. And, uh-huh. and, and, and or they live as though they believe a secular worldview. Welcome back to Christ and Prophecy and our discussion with Carl Gallup's about the author of a very insightful book called The Magic Man in the Sky. And uh, Carl, I had a question for you. Something in your book that was so deep, and it talked about two realities, a physical and a spiritual reality existing side by side, 
but one not seeing the other. And atheists always right. say, well, there can't be a spiritual realm because we'd know it, we'd see it. But uh, how do you refute that? Yeah, thank you. Well, no, that's, that's a very, mm-hmm. Nathan, uh, thank you. That's a very important uh, concept and principle for, for folks to grasp. Simply because you can't see something, feel something, measure something, or subjectively measure it does not necessarily mean that it doesn't exist. Now, it does mean that we should examine it to, to the depth uh, that, that, uh, of any reasonable means possible. But uh, so, the, so the atheist would often make the argument, like you just said, well, because we can't see it, touch it, measure it, feel it. it you can't talk to God, stand on a hill, strike me dead if you're there. It, nothing happens, so therefore God doesn't exist. And the illustration that I use in my book, one of the illustrations is what I call the fish pond story. Mm, great uh, story. Under the surface of a fish pond, that's located in the middle of a 5,000-acre ranch, say, right in the middle, and say the fish pond is, you know, 10 acres. Under the surface of that is, is an entire universe of reality. Everything that lives under the surface of that pond, that is their reality. They're, they're bound to that watery existence. Beyond the surface of that pond is what you and I know is a universe of reality. Not only the world we live in, but the solar system and the universe beyond. The, so the fish living in that pond have no concept. They have not a, not a clue of the magnificence of what lies beyond just the surface of that water. Mm-hmm. And they have no concept of your life and the intricacies of your life, human life, much less the other 7 billion people that live on the planet. They've never seen a city or a skyscraper or an airplane or they a They might see a or, shadow once in a while. Well, and I was getting to that point yeah, that uh, every now and then they might see a shadowy existence of something that, that comes to the edge of the pond. Of course, the scripture talks about how we see through mm, a glass dimly. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. So we get glimpses of glory, if you will. God gives us glimpses of glory. But until we come out of our fish pond, enter into the realm of what's really real, see, uh, we, we don't have a clue what it's like to truly be in the presence of God any more than a fish has a clue. What it, see, if a fish could somehow become a man and step outside the pond, and look around and say, oh my gosh, <laughs> I had no, and, and, but here's the answer. It existed all along, all around you in physical reality, flesh yeah. and blood reality. See, a fish is flesh and blood. Now, it's yeah. a different kind of flesh, yeah. but it's flesh and blood. It's physical. We're physical. We're flesh and blood. But two physical realities exist side by side. One is totally unaware of the other. In fact, not only are they unaware, but they cannot enter into our reality and exist in it. And I believe that's an illustration of the deep spiritual truth that Jesus was trying to reveal to us. That look, when when, when you pass from this existence, you're you're not just some little fluff of spirit floating on a cloud playing a harp forever. Uh You enter into a physical reality. I'm going to use the word physical, but it's glorified. Like when Mm -hmm. Jesus came out of the tomb. He was physical, but Uh he was glorified. You enter into reality. In fact, it is the ultimate reality. The presence of God. We're just in a fish pond. We're surrounded by our limitations. We're surrounded by the surface. We're in a watery existence and we don't even know it. Hmm. But when we leave this existence, we're like a fish that becomes a man. And we look and there is this endless array and vastness of the universe that wow. God says, this is mine, now it's yours because of, because of your faith in my son Jesus Christ. And we enter from one reality to another reality, if you will, one dimension of reality to another dimension of reality. In the same way the fish pond exists in that dimension and it's real. And all around it is another dimension. 
and it's real, but it is the ultimate reality. I love your fish pond story. Thank and you. the moment I, I read it, I thought, well, you know, uh, uh, equivalent to that is the fact that we as Christians know that there is a reality around us that cannot normally be perceived with the senses. It's the reality of the supernatural, of demons, of angels, of God intervening in history. And and, and you can't normally perceive that. But in the Bible, we're told from time to time, even angels can take on a bodily form. And you may entertain angels unaware. But then I got to thinking further. I thought, can I think of a situation where human beings have lived together with another reality and not know it. And it suddenly occurred to me, the germ theory of disease was not even discovered until the mid-1800s. There's a whole microbiological world that has always existed around us and in us that we know nothing about. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. The whole field of quantum science. (laughs) Quantum mechanics. Oh, 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 yeah. Now you're getting into the twilight zone. I have a little bit about that in my book, too, because it's it's, it's so, it illustrates where you you just nailed it. There are realities that exist all around us that we can't see. You know, no, no one has ever seen a quantum particle with their eye. We see the effects. We can measure it through various electronic means, but but it's there. We know it's there, uh, for example. But but another example, back to the fish pond story, a man can put on a scuba suit and okay. enter into their world, and a fish can say, you know, okay, now I know what a man is. <laughs> but really they don't. Yeah. They really don't. They've seen a man in an ex- in, in a way that could exist in their realm but they really still know nothing about humanity. And in the same way, God put on flesh, God with us in the person of Jesus Christ. We saw God in the flesh, but we still have no concept of the total reality of who God is. And the Word of God says, but when we're with Him, we will know Him as He is when we see Him. Does does that make sense? In other words, God put on the scuba diving suit, came into our world so we could get a feel for Him. But His ultimate glory we have yet to see until we're out of the fish pond and with Him. Well, page 207 of your book, you even talk about that science has to admit that it has... uh, uh, prove that there are realities that can exist side by side and be unaware That's of each right. other. Even That's science right. has to admit Even that. Even science has to admit that, yeah. And, and I was thinking specifically of, of, again, the microbial world and then the, and then the world of, of, of quantum mechanics and quantum theory. I, I, you know, we, we benefit from our understanding of quantum mechanics, everything from lasers to MRI technology to nuclear technology. But there's so much about it we don't know and so much about it we can't see and haven't seen <laughs> and still theorize about. Uh, but but even science has to admit that there's a world of reality that is beyond our comprehension of explanation and beyond our ability to see, yet it exists, and we know it exists. Have you had a personal opportunity to share some of these arguments with atheists or agnostics and see how they respond? For years before I wrote the book. That's why I finally wrote the book. <laughs> how do they yeah. normally respond? Yeah. Well, uh, it's, it's, you know, when they're honest and when we have decent conversations, it's pretty mind-blowing to them. In fact, we've led many uh, to, to the Lord, mm-hmm. to a saving relationship with the Lord. And that's one of the exciting things about Internet technology and Internet ministry now is you can reach out to the world and, yeah. and you can minister to people in a way that's a little less intimidating, a little less threatening, uh, because you can do it by email, you can do it in blogs and those kinds of things. And, and every week people come out of atheism. They come out of this evolutionistic philosophy in of fact, life. In fact, you have some testimonies, don't you, about mm-hmm. the impact of the book upon atheists and agnostics and people yes. just totally confused and yes. don't know what they believe? Yes, 
they're really beginning to pour in is anecdotal understandings of how, how God is using the book, and I'm overwhelmed. I just I give him all the praise. Well, the book the is Lord. written in such a way that it's easy to understand. I mean, it, well, thank you. when you say so, Nathan, it just flows, and it's easy yeah, it to understand. Very well. You don't have thank to be you. a thank physicist you. or a scientist or whatever, Thanks. and the arguments are so logical. That's the point. <laughs> That well, uh, you, you can't think of a way to refute them. Well, and you start with a story, too, in the beginning of a Christian and a non-Christian, how the non-Christian blows the Christian out of water. To me, that connected me to the book right there because I recognized all those arguments, and then you answer all those arguments. In, so yeah. it's like a self-help tool for any Christian who wants to <laughs> share you. their faith. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, I wrote the book, and the first chapter I didn't have in it the, between Christ, uh, Christopher and Crowley. I didn't have that in this there. This conversation. No. But, uh, so everything after that I had... And then it just, it was from God. It was just this inspiration. Was, why don't I start the book with a fictitious, fictitious conversation between a Christian and an atheist and let the atheist dump all of his arguments and destroy the Christian? Mm-hmm. And so the first chapter, that's what happens. I know. Yeah. I thought, yeah. man, this, I don't like this. <laughs> I know. Well, I got to keep going. <laughs> well, and, and it's meant to draw you in because you're thinking, if you're a Christian, you're thinking, how does the author get out of this? Mm-hmm. And if you're an atheist, you're thinking, I like this book. <laughs> you know, and then they're thinking, I wonder what kind of argument. I mean, he's made all of my arguments. I wonder how he deals with this. So, so it served its purpose and God has blessed it. I, th- I think it was an inspiration. I think it was inspired by God to put that first chapter there. Now you're writing a, a book right now, aren't you? I am. And, and what is it titled? Uh, I am not allowed to give the title out yet, but I can tell, no, but I can tell you that it is a juxtaposition of the theme of it is biblical truths versus political agendas and cultural myths. In other words, you just take topics of the world today, you know, homosexual marriage, abortion, evolution, is it settled science? Uh, uh, these, these gun control. I mean, all of, all of these, uh, things that, that, that impact our lives and decisions we make and, legislators are making laws, governments, world governments are dealing with all of these things. And I take every one of those and I compare it to God's Word. What does God's Word really say? What would Jesus say? What would Jesus do? Uh, What's the truth? Is there an agenda here? How do these things tie together? What's the spiritual agenda? So I tie all this together. It's just going to be my next book. What about the the, the issue? Oh, and by the way, Christopher and Crowley are going to show back up. Oh, are they? Oh, good. Yeah, Yeah, they're going to show back up. You know, uh, the world today says there's no such thing as absolute truth, which Mm -hmm. in itself is an absolute statement. It is. Are you absolutely certain? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's a classic argument when somebody says to me, I, I, don't, I don't believe in absolute truth. I said, really, are you absolutely certain? <laughs> right. And then you got them. But there yeah. is a real rejection of that today. Yeah. Even with well, there the, has to be if you're going to come from a secular worldview. Well, uh, uh-huh. Yes. You, you know, and, Everything's relative. You yeah. know, you have your truth. I have my that's truth. Right. That's uh, right. That's right. There's no eternal consequences. There's, there's no uh, accountability. Um, but, you know. And we must be tolerant toward each other. Oh, we, oh yes. Except if, you know, they can't be tolerant of, of, of us a with a biblical worldview. faith. That's right. <laughs> yeah. but, but, the, uh, but the argument about absolute morality. See, that's, the, that's what it all comes down to, guys. And you all know that. Is that they've got. That's what, the, that's what evolution is about. Evolution is not about science. It's about getting rid of God so that I can live like I want to live. And so when they, when they say there's no such thing as absolute morality, here's my illustration. I say to them, really, tell me where I can go in the world tonight, break into a man's house, kill his children, rape his wife, burn his house down, steal everything he's got, walk out. And the man looks at me and says, you know, it's okay if you do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they say, well, there's, 
There's no, I said, right, you know why? Because that's absolute morality. It's absolutely wrong in absolutely every place in the entire world. It always has been. It always will be. Absolute morality does exist. Now explain to me how evolution came up with that. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. Uh, Carl has agreed to be back with us next week when we will discuss the existence of God. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for myself and Nathan Jones saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Are Christians just kidding themselves? Are believers wasting their lives serving an imaginary friend up in the clouds? And do Christians even have the courage to confront the hard questions about God's existence? Carl Gallup's does, and readers should be prepared for an inspiring journey in his blockbuster book, The Magic Man in the Sky. Gallup's directly addresses the doubts and fears of young Christians in a hostile culture, seamlessly combining insights from history, quantum physics, and scripture. To order The Magic Man in the Sky for a donation of $20 or more plus shipping, just call the number you see on the screen, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, or order online at lamblion.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 